I'm Toby Hayduke. Are you my mummy? Keep going, we're not even halfway through the first season. Yeah, no, Father's Day was funny enough. It was an episode I didn't like the sound of. I don't know why, because I thought I'd always be soppy. And it ended up being one of my favourites of the season. I, yeah, I loved it. I mean, I think Sean Dingle gets a lot of deserves a lot of credit for that. I'm not surprised he brought it back. That's why we brought it back. Because it's a great performance. Love that actor. Love that man as well. He's a lovely, top class man. Lovely. Yeah, and he, it's, it was, that to me was, Doctor and this is a big fan of that show, Doctor Who is slightly influenced by the Buffy generation. In a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember going, I don't think I want Doctor Who to be like this every week, but that's a 10 out of 10 episode for me. Whoa, that's mm, yes, you couldn't do that every week, could you? And um, and it was, it was it was almost, yes, it, it is quite Buffy-ish. It's, like, it's funny because people often talk about the Buffy influence on the show. And what people often don't realise about influences is that they also show you what not to do. It's not just a matter of copying Buffy. It's like, right, I don't like that in Buffy. I, I never liked the uninvolvement of the mother in Buffy. I thought right. and, uh, the yeah. episode in which she dies is brilliant. I love Buffy. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Like, I don't want to criticise it. I'm just talking, sure. looking at the architecture of it. I would have had Buffy's mum much more involved. And I always watched it thinking, oh, come on, Joyce, get involved in the story. And so here you get my own show. And so it's like, right, Shaggy, in you come. And Pete, this is going to be right at the heart of it. And... Um, yeah, we got lucky casting Sean. That's a long casting process. Who would you cast as Billy Piper's dad? That was a long, long. You looked at just about every actor in Britain, and then and, there he was. And he's—I mean—he's known in the business, but he—he he wouldn't. He's not a name. No, name, he's know. not because I'd worked with him. What did I done with him? Uh, Touching Evil. I've done an episode of Touching Evil with him, and he's always a classy. Yeah, kind of always in work. I hope it's always in work. And um, but yeah, no, your sister wouldn't know his name, which yeah, no. lovely. Yeah, I'm glad that worked. It was always part of. Yeah, you know, tuck that away as episode seven. Don't play it too soon. Don't play it too late. It's perfectly placed within the, within the first series, I think. Next, next up is The Empty Child and The Doctor Dies. The Long Game? I did The Long Game. I skipped that. We skip, yeah, yes. Long Game was too blue. Uh, I've, I've got to talk about The Empty Child. I haven't got Moffat. He's too busy, I suppose. Bless yeah, you. No, well, I don't know. I well, I've got to do the latest season. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I don't suppose you've got Dougray Scott and Speed down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Um, but... I mean, Empty Child. Maybe you could get the gamekeeper for that house. <laughs> yeah, well, I know it's going to be. I think, I think I've got the. I love that one. But Empty Child Doctor Dances. Was, that was a cold, long show. That was midwinter, mid-budget. You know, with budget. I remember. It's funny the things that are a problem at the time that when you transmit them aren't a problem. This is the nature of all television. It's like that canister, the big Tula canister, wasn't meant to be in a railway station. If you look at that story, you think, why is it in a railway station? You don't. You don't actually look at it. You think it just landed in a railway station. But at the time, that was meant to be set in a warehouse. I think I've heard it landed in a warehouse or the soldiers have moved it to the Tula Canis to be moved to a, a warehouse, which kind of made sense. But all we had at that time, at that location, filming in the winter at night, was this railway station. And I remember endless discussions about, will it work? Why is it in a railway station? What if they have to close the railways? Are the railways working in World War Two? Why is it a railway station? How close is that to the hospital? You watch the end there, so it doesn't matter. Oh, there it is, in a railway station, near the hospital. In fact, we had a little mat shot, didn't we, of the hospital in the background somewhere. Um, funny, isn't it? That, that's one of my memories of that is agonising over, why are we in a railway station? Why? The story isn't about a railway station. 
It's an extraordinary thing, though. It's the one story that my partner at the time, who didn't like Doctor Who, clutched my hand in fear. Hooray. Yeah. Brilliant. And it's the James Hall shot Doctor Who like you always imagined it had been shot in your head when we were reading the target books. <laughs> and there's that closer, there's that, that goes up the corridor and close up on the, on the kids. Oh, the yes. It's an extraordinary thing. Oh, it's, it's brilliant, you know. isn't it? That, that hospital's brilliant, that location's brilliant. God, it was, I just remember the cold, and I'm not often on set. I don't share those stories much of like, oh, it was cold and oh, it was raining, but and I, I normally think tough, get on with it. But that was cold and that was hard work. And it was, it was mid run, it's kind of run to the point where you're thinking, is this working? And then suddenly you get those scripts. I remember the scripts arriving. Can you imagine those scripts arriving? Can you imagine my face? <laughs> there we go, marvellous. What are you doing next year, Stephen? <laughs> In one episode the next year, the swine. But oh, brilliant. And uh, so when I mean that's the thing you you're not you say you're not always on set and, and again there's a, goes from one thing from plotting uh, visualizing and saying what what you you want to have a companion that doesn't work for example you want to put historical near a future one yeah, yeah, yeah. but when you're actually seeing the physical manifestation of all of those things was there a moment when you thought oh this is better than I thought it was oh just about all the time oh yes oh my goodness just like yes I mean in that first block we had. It wasn't the first episode. We had like Downing Street. I remember a lot of work. Can we do Downing Street? Really? And finding that exterior of uh, number 10 door, that was a nightmare. But it was the inside. Thinking, really? Is that actually going to convince I think it's lovely. That Hensel Castle, I think it is, uh, that we went back to then for um, Sound of Drums. Um, yeah, so you're always kind of sitting there thinking, how are we going to do this? It'll be a nightmare. The inside of Platform 1, how are we going to actually do a spaceship? And it's. And, and, you just get, I remember one thing drove me mad, which is that at the end of the world, they go, when the Doctor and Jane go through the, the tunnels, they sort of go through the conduits, and there's all that, which are real tunnels somewhere, sort of maintenance area. And there's all that, the pipes have that silver foil cladding on, the pipes really do have, that wasn't set dressing, it was silver foil cladding, the silver foil looks so dreadful in science fiction. Yeah. And I remember just sending emails, going, silver foil! <laughs> Why is there silver foil in this? And it's like, well, that, poor Ed, the designer, was working. His guts out. Emailing back, but that's real silver foil. You can't take real silver foil off pipes that have got cladding in it. We'd have to chat with him to ask the support. Besides, I think it looks nice. It's silver foil! <laughs> so, we sp- and has anyone ever complained about the silver foil pipes in no. the end of the world? The things you worry about that take up hours of your day um, turn out to be irrelevant. But I think there's, some, there's a race memory in there because my favourite bad thing in all of Doctor Who is in time of the Rani when they hide in a concrete tunnel and they've dressed it with pink tinsel round the <laughs> oh, outside yes. to show that it's a yes. space concrete yes, tunnel. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a bit, we do carry these memories with us. I think that's why Ed's probably going, what's wrong with a little bit of silver? To me, I've got an entire history of Doctor Who. It's why Phil would never allow people to wear hats because hats have been so famous and dreadful in Doctor Who. That, that, that was the edict. <laughs> He's that thinking no, of being cool. Yeah. Oh, no, he, he forbade almost all hats when we went back in history now and again he'd allow a hat and they were because they often because people aren't used to wearing hats and and they don't look right in them you've got a point actually so yes how do we get to that how do we get to tunnels in, in, in uh, because of the because of the cladding because of the set dressing because we were talking yes. about the empty child and the yes. stuff you worry about that turns out to be yeah, relevant turns, it's, yeah. it's weird isn't it well I'm going to ask you a question about Boomtown that probably won't be the question you think I'll ask oh. you guys you got Lovely William Thomas, who's the first actor from old Doctor Who to be a new Doctor Who. Kill him before the opening title sequence. <laughs> I doesn't even get to meet the Doctor. <laughs> I know. Did I realise he'd been in Remembrance of the Daleks? I'm not sure I did. 
Because uh, it, it wasn't in Doctor Who magazine, they just said the cast includes, and they didn't. There was no. Who no, I don't think. Shame on me, because I love Remembers the Daleks, and I've seen that, and I don't think. Of course, then we, you, we took that man out to LA yeah. to be Eve's, uh, Gwen Cooper's dad, so lovely properly lovely actor. Murdered by the claw of Margaret Lee. <laughs> I mean that's the acting profession now, isn't it? That you you know yeah, as you say, when we he's he's yeah, a, a well-established actor, but will come in and do a day and get yes. killed before the opening tells. But he's also an actor who can carry a, a, a yeah, bigger yeah, part yeah. of that in another show. Oh, exactly, lovely. And we asked a lot of people. It's a nice little cameo that role. We asked quite a few people, big names, to come and do that. And yeah, early days that they do it now. I like the sound of cameo. Cameo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They they do it now on Doctor Who. In those days, it was like mm, well, one page on Doctor Who. Before, you know, before people knew it would be a success and a lot of people turned it down lovely William came in and that was the start of a good working relationship and you'd, and you'd brought back um, the Slitheen and Annette Badland because oh, yeah. you'd liked her scene which is great where the shutters come down I actually did it because I was in because in, at the very beginning on the very first block was the only time we ever had rehearsals as you do and, um, and Chris and Billy had to go off and do have a costume fitting or something so we carried on rehearsing with the Slidine family from Aliens of London. And I was the doctor. I stood it and I did that scene with her. And my goodness, looking into Annette Badland's eyes as she's doing that. And kind of going off script as well and just like staring at each other. I was like, because she was an actress I'd seen many, many times and always loved Bergerac. Remember Bergerac yeah. a million years ago? She was in that. And to actually meet her, she's like a proper friend now. She's in Wizards versus Aliens of London. I absolutely love that woman. But that was the start of it, to sit there thinking, oh my God, she's brilliant. And getting her boot was a nightmare because she was cutting it in Manchester she'd literally have to finish shooting in Manchester at midnight they were on night shoots drive down through the night start with us at 8 in the morning it was horrible and they were they were brilliant on the cutting it team making dates work but to be honest dates didn't work she double banked both those shows at once and, and but we had to just you know they were kind of going at one point I think Julie was saying to me that can't one of the other Slovenes have survived or can't we have a Slovene we've never seen uh, survive, you know, while Auntie Beatrice living off stage, and I was going, no, I'm only doing this, I've only written this, because Annette's so brilliant, it's just got to be her. And it's a curious story, though, because it, it becomes a story you're not expecting, you think it's going to be a story about a nuclear power station, and, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it doesn't, it, 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 beca <laughs> it, it becomes a, a moral de debate, it's a, it's a talky episode, and I don't yes. say that in a pejorative sense No, no, all. no, it's lovely. Um, and one thing, it's interesting, the whole thing about the Christopher Eccleston Doctor, where you you blew all, oh, he's a dandy, eccentric, out of the water immediately and completely yeah. said the Doctor could be anything again. Um, and you, you made him eat steak and chips, and that surprised <laughs> me, because I thought, oh, the Doctor will go, I will have lobster, you know, John Perkley with his blue cheese oh, and his right. And you're sort of going, you can be this eccentric, intellectual person right. without being without being a sort of a gourmet. But that's interesting. Do you know what I was thinking? I, th and I remember writing that thinking, oh, he was vegetarian and he was Colin Baker. They made him vegetarian. Robert Holmes, no less, made him vegetarian. And I'm not vegetarian. I think, I don't want to write a vegetarian doctor. <laughs> and I'm right. thinking, thinking a deep breath going, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to have steak and chips. Not, because I thought it's going to say, because I thought in, a, in an episode that's essentially about a liberal debate, yeah. it is practically the Chancery class who's sitting there talking about um, but then I thought how awful if you then ordered a vegetarian meal on top sure. of everything else it's yeah, going to look like it was written on, on the Guardian front desk yes. so I remember thinking it's going to be steak and chips because I love steak and chips and it's like that's a good solid earthy meal that's, that's, but that's I mean that's, that's that just struck <laughs> me as a bit of you because you, you are obviously an intelligent and an artistic person but you are a populist intellectual that make, does that make sense I you hope know, so you, yeah, thank you, you. Yes. you're not a you're not a 
sneering liberal. There's a, there's there is an element of sort of the liberalist arts movement that can do itself no favours by being lofty. Purport. Yes, absolutely. Yes, it would it would have been if he'd ordered the alfalfa omelette. In that scene, I mean it. You would have, uh, and I think a good chunk of the audience would have gone, "Well, you're nothing to do with me now." Seriously, would have gone, "No thanks." Um, it does come down to that land like steak and chip. They are important in the end, but I hope so. It's that, and it's part of that thing I was talking about earlier. That that's the show. That's me. That's everyone realizing that. And it, I think over the past eight years, you can see the program keep realizing that this man is real. This doctor who travels in a TARDIS. And there was a time lord is really, really real. It's part of like it's what makes me laugh because the one that the kind of objection that keeps on cropping up, I see in the papers and stuff like that, and comments and stuff like that is, is that we deified the doctor and made him Jesus-like and sort of stuff like that. I think what well, I learned not it's, we did the absolute opposite. It's it, it, it talks about stuff like that, like when he's flown through the air by two robot angels in in Voyage of the Dam and stuff like that. Now, frankly, that was never in my Bible. It's like, <laughs> I wish in the Bible Jesus had had some robot angels flying <laughs> him around the base. It's brilliant. What you're talking about there is Hollywood deities, which is a very different thing to real deities. Whenever the Doctor does have godlike powers, it's Hollywood godlike, not real godlike. There's no bit in the Bible where beams of fire are shooting out of Jesus's fingers. We'd all love it if there was. I'd do agree right now. I have notes, apostles. Let me give you notes on these gospels. Have some laser beams come out of his fingers. But what I'm saying, it's like. But anyway, that's that's the, that, because it's not Dave. I was doing absolutely the opposite, sort of saying, obviously he's not human. He's a time lord, but he eats. He has shoes. Sometimes those shoes are too tight. He has steak and chips. He's hungry. He really flies his machine. He presses those buttons on the TARDIS. He feels it under his thumbs. You know, it's and, and when he's in, enters a story, he really feels it. He doesn't just walk through the door and go hello. Actually, he's fascinated and he becomes part of this story and. If people die, it hurts. And if something's funny, it's hilarious. You know, it's, it's, he's real. It is a significant difference that, between the old and the new series that I think still we haven't come to terms with. And I think the programme still keeps discovering it and is joyous in its discovery of doing that. When the Doctor has a tragedy, when he has a victory, it's real now. Those scenes in Satellite One, Bad Wolf of the Passing of the Ways, with the controller, who's oh, a great um, big science fiction yes. thing, of, of yeah, an yeah. albino yeah. wired up there. I mean, that's an extraordinary <laughs> visual. It's great, um, isn't it? And, and you can really tell you're in season finale. Yeah. And this was your big. So this could have been the last two episodes of Doctor Who. It absolutely could have been. Yes, we were fully ready for it. You know, they were ready to move the program to a Sunday night if it wasn't working. Not ready, but that it had been talked about that if the ratings are bad. Not to, I don't mean to cycle it away, I mean to protect it. I mean, people at the BBC really wanted it to work. And if it wasn't working on a Saturday, they would have tried a Sunday, they would have moved it. All those things were discussed. They never needed to. Hooray. No. Brilliant. But, well, so you like, what, do you think that's a kind of intrinsically Doctor Who to have I, brave I, little heroes like this? Doctor Who, uh, yeah, because do, as you said, Doctor Who was never really about the Doctor in the old days. So, so the Doctor and the Not Companion really, were yeah. often, to me, the least interesting thing. It was the lives that they... Because you knew the Doctor and the Companion would survive. The classic Doctor Who template is that they meet lots of people and you worry about which ones are going to die and which ones yes, aren't. Yes, and in Parting yes, of the yes. Ways, you kill everybody, yes, including Joe Joyner. Yeah, you build... The yes. unkillable Linda with a Y. <laughs> exactly, because... I know, I agree. I think it's... In, when I was a kid, my favourite thing in the world in a book, in a Doctor Who novel, that was maybe slightly disappointing when you actually go to see it, was that little Optera who kills herself. Lemony, in the web, that yeah. Lemony, this is not the one who shoves she, their head into the... It's yeah, a horrible... She death. stops they the acid with her body. She stops the acid by shoving their head into the wall. 
And reading that, the book, uh, and I was, ooh, I was 10 when I was reading that or something, heartbreaking. There was little deaths, there was little yeah. noble deaths of ordinary people. You see that, it's quite, you, it, when you see that on screen, you're kind of glad you read the book because you can follow yes. what's happening. It's not quite clear what went on there, Nemini. <laughs> well, I, I was a bit the same with Stubbs in The Mutants. He's great, in, in, and he's great, he's a great performance in the thing. Oh, but in the book, Stubbs dies, and you're really sad. And in the, in, he's in, does it in long shot in the episode. You're oh, like, oh, does that's he? not as good. Oh, but I remember reading the no, book, no. and Stubbs has died. Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. when he's on screen with Cotton. You think, <laughs> I think they should kill Cotton. Yeah, it is, it's a very Doctor Who thing, isn't it? Those little people. Oh, it's the kind of thing you don't get in Star Trek particularly. You know, it's not particularly a buffy thing, is it? It's it's little, like little Raffalo the plumber and stuff like that. I think it's really yes. invented Raffalo because I can to the end of the world, don't they? Enough anecdotes about the end of the world. <laughs> but, you know, like, we only invented her because we were running short of time and you put her in a killer and it's lovely. It's just nice. And I think, and I think, I think, I think it kind of increases the Doctor's stature as well. I think when the people who are dying for him they're practically dying for the, they're protecting the 500th floor, whatever it is there. And all these people got Jack as well. You know, fully expecting Jack to, Jack does die in that episode. Um, I don't know, the floor manager. Jenna Russell. Jenna oh, Russell, yeah. an old friend of Phil's, because oh. he, he was the producer on um, uh, Born and Bred. Yes. Which she was the wife, which she's a huge, people probably don't know, she's a huge actress, huge stage actress. You got to credit her on the second episode. No way, did yeah. we? I'm ashamed. I am ashamed. Really? Yeah. That's terrible. Her agent's not listening. I hope she gets paid. Yeah. I hope she's on the forms and yeah. saying she would have got onto us for that, for that I think. No, I mean, Charity's not credited on the second episode of Agents of Mars Nine. You dead. see, do you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Because, and it's like, do you know, that's workload because in the end, the people checking those credits are us and me and Julie. It's well, like, it, it's, <laughs> no, 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 it's that, uh, it kind of shows the workload. I don't know, you know, you imagine that, well, it's the thing of the BBC now. And it's quite right in many ways, you have to sign off on everything. So actually there are people doing the credits who are very overworked, probably your post-production supervisor, who literally be there at three in the morning trying to get a sort of a laser beam off the mill. And stuff like that comes through. It's, it's like when, when we say things like Doctor Who's very hard work, it's because at three in the morning you get a list through of actors and actually you haven't got your DVD there of... And you haven't even got... The script is... I left the script in Manchester and I'm sitting in Cardiff going, who's in uh, World War Three? Um, surely, you know, Nabi Jarry's not in that episode. He was killed last episode. You forget. That's me at three in the morning thinking, yeah, that's fine. It's amazing. That those human I know where those human errors came from, and normally it was me and Julie. <laughs> it's probably only me that spotted it. Well, no, it's still wrong. It's <laughs> like, and actually, I think I, I, there are probably less examples of that going on as, as the series went on because we built systems to say, Sam Hall, our post production supervisor, it's like, oh, you check that. I th- what you have to do then is turn around and say, look, don't... I remember these... Cr- we did know some of it. And there were other people missing. There were production people missing off credits. Round about series two, we have to turn around and say, look, don't trust me to sign off the credits because I'm not doing it. I'm doing it at three in the morning. And it's just easier to go, yes, that's fine. I do read them. I think, yes, that's fine. But you actually need to sit there with a the script and with a DVD and check everything in detail. I'm not doing that. So you can't trust me to do this, Sam. You need to give me a list so that when I sign it off, I know you've been through that process series two it all works then but that's it's a long process you need, all these things are done by people and it's hard work well we're going to have a break now so I can make you another cup of tea and put the lunch in okay. but season one has finished series one has finished um, do you yeah. remember at the end of series one they did something I've never this is when I knew it was a success they did trails on television 
for the series that are just finished. And I, I pressed stop on my video before <laughs> it and I haven't got it. I know. And they never put that on anything else. They did. They ran it throughout the week. They did, Toby. Oh. They ran it throughout that week. They ran it on Wednesday night. They played it on the Friday night. Because we have all these schedules sent to us. It's, and I watched them. I watched them go out. They trailed the series that had ended because they thought it was so successful. The BBC was so proud of it. They weren't even particularly going... Here's Christmas. I remember with that trail, I was kind of arguing, saying, well, you could show David and say, you know, here is a Christmas date. And they go, no, this is... A, I think there might have been a shot of that, but they go, no, this is a trail about the series that's gone out. They weren't even advertising the iPlayer. It wasn't saying go on iPlayer. It was literally the BBC going, we love that. Isn't it brilliant? Well done, everyone. I have never seen that before or since of any show. No. A celebratory trail. And this was a show that was rubbish. <laughs> this was a show that was a word by word for it's bad amazing television. isn't it that, yeah. has it ever been a bigger volt fast no. it's good to say volt fast isn't it yeah. my little uh, alpha alpha eating liberal guardian <laughs> friends we can say volt fast I'm not sure there ever has been isn't there no it's amazing I mean we know it wasn't rubbish but um, it was considered to be rubbish it's but what amazing. did you when you look back at that and you then had to go okay now we've got to look forward what did you go okay we need to do that differently or well I mean the truth is that it didn't stop if only there was a moment where everything stopped and you can go so although I keep saying we didn't know it exists to a second series we were talking about the second series from day one it was always kind of looking ahead and I remember on set with Boomtown well Boomtown's quite late but on set sort of standing there in Cardiff Bay with Phil talking through Werewolf Sarah Jane da -da -da, this has all been cleared by I've been to London that day and they were on a night she I went to London in the day saw Jane Tranter she signed off on all the stories for season two which were already underway, scripts were like coming in and stuff like that. Then going to talk to Phil through it, because you know, we're all on like one year contract. Phil's on a one year contract. That's kind of good. Will you stay, Phil? Come come back next year, Phil. We love you. Let's do Sarah Jane, all of that sort of stuff. That's normal, that's normal. Of course he would have stayed, there was no doubt about that. But at the same time, a producer that good is gonna get offered jobs all over the place. So so there's never any moment when we stopped. So what we we Oh, there's the bell. That's right. It's oh. Nobody has the bell. Right? Nobody. That's, that's somebody tried to oh, sell Oh, it's BPI. Yeah. Marvellous. Yes, I get that. It gives verisimilitude. It shows that we're real. <laughs> so if anything, you know, you kind of learned how to make it and then you make the mistake of thinking... Because in fact, we then embarked on a schedule for the second series that was insane. Of starting with three blockbuster great big episodes, which was mad. It was very hard work. And then... Again, to save money, me sort of saying, well, look, there's four Cybermen episodes, so let's put those four episodes into one block, which came then very quickly in the second... They weren't done, we shot them in the middle of the second, of the second series. The Satan Pit was the last thing we shot. So getting scripts ready for that, I remember having a tone meeting covering Age of Steel, Rise of the Cybermen, Army of Ghosts, Doomsday. Can you imagine just the amount of special effects in that? And everything? The, the, the range of design stuff in there... It was the cast. The cast were outside the room when we all came out of this, of this tone meeting, and they were laughing at us because we were so pale, <laughs> we were pale and wide-eyed. We were like that dog in the tinderbox with eyes like saucers. And David Tennant laughing. Oh my God, what's been going on in there? And we took four episodes. We never did four episodes again ever because it was backbreaking. Only Graham Harper could have done that. Did I just cover four stories of one anecdote? Like wow, that. that's brilliant. But once I could talk about them forever. But so actually. We just kind of kept on escalating it. It's, it's, you don't sort of go, right, we've learned how to do that. The only major reassessment that anyone wanted was Jane Tranter wanted historicals to be kicked up the arse, as she kept on saying. I think, I think she found... I love The Unquiet Dead. Everyone loves The Unquiet Dead. I think she found it a little bit traditional within in, in inverted commas. I don't know what those inverted commas are. Actually, there are no inverted commas. 
traditional. That's the word. And um, so she kind of wanted that done. It's funny because I was, I was archiving and I found an old hard drive from an old PC yesterday. And I was going through it and it said Doctor Who 2. And I thought, oh, what's that? And I opened that up. And it was a document for Series 2 in which Tutton Claw was much wilder. It was like, it, it was, I think it was called Hour of the Wolf. It was just a synopsis from me to, to London. Um, sort of saying, and it was all set in Buckingham Palace, obviously, in, in the court of Queen Victoria. And, and, but outside, it was kind of like Jack, the, the werewolf murders must have been much more like Jack the Ripper type murders. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, and, and I think it's something about Queen Victoria is not what you expect. She's furious. I think she, it sounded like she was going out with a spear to go and hunt the werewolf herself <laughs> or something, which is me obviously kind of responding to a note of like saying, kick the historicals up the arse. I had no, here's the funny thing, I had no memory of this document whatsoever. I wrote it. I don't ever remember that. I, I can remember another version of Tuttle Claw that someone else wrote that never existed in the end. But um, here's this treatment, Hour of the Wolf, Jack the Ripper murders, no memory whatsoever. I literally don't remember it, and I wrote it. So all of this is a flawed history. I <laughs> wish I'd kept a diary. I so wish I had. Um, anyway, so there was that directive, which, um, well, I think the Queen Victoria story is quite traditional in the end. Because that script fell through when I wrote that about three days. I think that's Tuck a story Claw. that is not talked about enough. Um, Tuck and Claw. I think it's a marvellous. I, I think love Tuck and Claw. directed. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think, think I think the the, the idea is. of the uh, the moonlight being the thing that actually makes the metamorphosis so to the, the end that it kills, it kills it. it. Too much water actually, drowns you. Actually makes yeah, yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. I love makes that. Sense. That's it's a good line, isn't it? Yeah. In terms of the the. The science, if you like, of, of yes. lycanthropy, <laughs> uh, and I, ju- I remember they did that. Did they do a trailer on? Was it on BBC Three? And it's the bit where Ron Darnicky comes in and goes, oh, "I'm seeing a world," and then boom, oh, oh, he gets pulled oh. up into the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I didn't know Doctor Who could realise. I love yeah, Tooth yeah, yeah. I think it's absolutely cracking. The called it Tooth and Claw. Tooth and Claw. <laughs> and Derek Riddell, I like as an actor. Oh, so he's, he's a lovely. Have you met him? He's lovely. I, I sat opposite him on a train and talked loudly to the person next to me about the fact that I was an actor. But <laughs> he's gorgeous. What a sexy man. Lovely man. Yeah. Um, I do you know yes I think it's quite unsung to the core that yeah. Shakespeare code actually I think those two I, I love them I absolutely the love them beautiful palette the colour palette of it it was the, Eros really kind of stretched his wings the there. red monks and blah, 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 blah. yeah 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 and, and just, what a werewolf that is a good werewolf what a werewolf absolutely and it's like because I know I know Neil Gordon was upset about that because he wanted to build a real werewolf it's kind of one of those things that, do you know if that, if that had been a real prosthetic werewolf it wouldn't have been transmitted at six o'clock at night. That was kind of one of the reasons I did it. It was like, it would have been awful. It would have been absolutely awful. That great moment. Right? Yeah. It, God, I love that story. Yes. Oh, it, yeah. the, I just, literally, the script for that fell through because we had a script in which I said, can we have a wolf? Can we have kung fu monks? Can we have a werewolf? And this, this very interesting script came in about Queen Victoria having an insect in her eye. And okay. the insect was an alien insect and it was, pulled it out and it became a great big bug that flew around or something. It could have been good, but um, no, I just I don't know. I want a werewolf. <laughs> and I can't work out how on earth it was so late. I know. Yeah, for, that wasn't even, that was never written that script, it was just a treatment. And um, we had to chuck it out. And I'm kind of thinking why did that leave me with three days to write the script? Because if that was just a treatment, obviously there was a lot of time before we shot. But it was now I'm realising at the same time we decided to shoot four episodes at once. We decided to shoot the season finale in the middle of the episode. So I am having to write, it's not that Tottenham Club was about to film, obviously there were weeks to go before that was going to happen, or if not a month, but I had to write Army of Ghosts and Doomsday early. 
not at season final attendance, so the months are kind of that's what you always felt were like months concertinaing towards you like this. And it was that I've got to write Army of Ghosts tomorrow, but this Tuff and Claw idea isn't working, so it wasn't. It wasn't the fact that it had to be written in three days' time, but I only had three days to write it. And I just thought, well, I love this idea. I love it. I love it, and I'm going to write it. And Phil had added the Koinu to it. I was. I always oh. sort of had, when he'd worked with the original writer, there was an insect, there was the eye, and he'd worked Koinu to it, because he just went, come on, that's a great big diamond. That's really... Kids love things like that. It's the biggest diamond in the world. It's owned by the Queen. We've got to do something with this. And so I had the house, and I had the werewolf, and I had the mistletoe and stuff like that, and I remember thinking... How could you not have the Koino over the script? And all the way through, I was writing, going, why is the Koino... Yeah, I even put the telescope in. And it didn't all come in horror of Fang Rock fashion. Of course, your mind makes... Only, only a Doctor Who fan can think, oh, yeah, because telescopes amplify light. No, they don't. But, <laughs> <laughs> but in Doctor Who land, they do. And it's, uh, it's not so much that you copy the end of Fang Rock, but in your mind as a Doctor Who fan, that's what telescopes do. That's what, that's what diamonds do. They focus light into lasers. Um... I'm very proud of that one. Yes, all I've done is praise that one. Loved Good. it. They worked well, very hard on that. Well, I promised you tea, so before we go to the story that gave us what to take my Doctor Who scarf at uh, school reunion, let's have a pause. Oh, because that's how it starts, right, yes. Well, that's how it sort of ends. That's Anyway, of well. Of course, of course. I'll pause yes. that. Oh, I'm loving this. How marvellous. Is that okay? Yes, no, brilliant. That was an hour. Uh, hello, everybody. This oh, is the first oh, time stop. somebody's come oh, to me. No, God, I, I have to edit these blooming things. We're only on series two. There's much more to come from Russell, but I'll spread them out. I know I've cheated a bit with the new series, but do me a favour. It's a lot of episodes to cover, and I have got individual contributors to other RTD-era episodes along the way. Uh, Now, next up, I think we'll have part one of a special sequence in which I speak to several contributors to a milestone classic Doctor Who story. Uh, For now, please donate to Russell's charity, the Terence Higgins Trust, www.tht.org.uk. And you can follow me and Big Finish on Twitter, if you would, at Big Finish and at Toby Haydoke, T-O-B-Y-H-A-D-O-K-E. There's plenty more to come with my chats uh, with Russell. Uh, It's two fanboys chewing the fat, really, except that one of them is a really important figure in the entire history of Doctor Who. Uh, And the other one is me, Toby Haydoke. Oh, well, can't have everything. Bye. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, The Fourth Doctor Adventures, Doctor Who, Last of the Colophon. Many years ago, a freak bacterial mutation created a pathogenic strain that was lethal and resistant to all known medicine. A lost civilization. This lifeless grey rock just got a whole lot more interesting. I do not think you have brought us to the right place for a holiday. There is nothing here but stones and sand. It is a desert world. Yes, no sign of life. And you know what that means, don't you? No? What does that mean? It means nothing will disturb our peace and quiet. You spent a thousand years waiting for a single alien visitor, and then two come along at once. The vapor trail of a spaceship. It looks like somebody else has come here for a holiday. The door is closing. 
don't panic. There must be some way to open it again. Why make a door that can only be opened from the outside? Because, Leela, that door wasn't designed to keep visitors out. It was designed to keep something in. Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com.